how you doing tonight? Are you excited to be in the house of God? Come on then, let's stand to your feet and let's give God a great big shout. Let's give Him a great big clap. Our God is an awesome God. Hallelujah, Jesus, we bless your name. Look, God, you're worthy of our praise and honor. And God, we're so excited to be in your house tonight. And everyone said, Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you give the Lord a great big clap tonight? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, are you excited to hear the Word of God tonight? You are? Awesome. Well, I'm excited to preach the Word of God tonight. So uh, I believe that... Um, <laughs> uh, I believe that God's placed a message on my heart that uh, will really help you tonight. So I know that God is, is really wanting to touch an area in people's hearts and lives tonight. So I want your heart to be very open because I don't want to be preaching just to your heads. I want to be preaching to your hearts tonight. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, so how many of you were here last week and you heard Pastor Mike's message on dealing with accusation? Dealing with accusation. Now, that was a great message. Okay, now we learned in that message that the devil, he's an accuser. He's a bad, bad dude, and he accuses us. That's one of his weapons that he comes against us with is accusation. And he seeks to intimidate us and get us to back down from our position in God and take a lower stand. But actually, the devil is a defeated enemy. He is defeated. We have been given authority over him through the cross of Jesus Christ. Yeah, we have authority over him, and we need to take our stand against every accusation that the devil would seek to come against us with. The devil seeks to rob us and take our identity from us, take our identity uh, and standing with God. So I want to continue uh, on that theme tonight. And uh, the message uh, I've prepared tonight is called, Who Do You Think You Are? Who do you think you are? All right. So that can be said a number of ways. And I, I'm sure many of us have heard those, uh, the ways that that could be expressed. Like, uh, who do you think? <laughs> who do you think you are? Huh? No, that's, that's one. Who do you think you are? Yeah. <laughs> okay, but tonight I want you to get a revelation of who you really are because this is really important to our life of faith. How many have heard that accusation verbally before? Who do you think you are? Yeah. You should go raised eyebrow. Who do, who do you think? Who do you think you are? Eh? Who do you think you are? Okay. Now it could be spoken. How many of you have seen it expressed to you as an attitude? Like, look at you like you're a, a piece of something that's coming on the bottom of your shoe. Okay. <laughs> You've seen it. Seen it as an attitude. But also, I believe that many of us, if not all of us, will have had it experienced it internally when we try to do something, especially do something for God. Every time we try and stand up, there's an accusation that comes against us 
Who do you think you are? Yeah? So we need to have an answer for that, who we think we are. We need to know that. This is important because, first of all, how you see yourself and how you think about yourself will determine how others see you. Okay, this is really important. It will determine how others see you. It's not just about your own stuff. It's actually how others will see you and relate to you. It will determine your spiritual authority. Now, many of you went to Pastor Mike's seminar on the weekend, and you learned about spiritual authority. And I'm sure you would have learned about knowing your position in Christ, knowing who you are in God. Because who you are will determine your spiritual authority. And it will also determine what you do on the earth. How many of you want to do something great on this earth? Yeah? Uh, Every one of us. Uh, If that's not an ambition in your life, you know, you're a poor excuse for a human being because God created us for dominion. He created us to rule. He created us to do something significant in this world, in this life, in this earth. And to do that, we need to know who we are, who we are. So everyone, everyone carries an internal picture in their life of who they are. It's like an internal passport. It's a passport that either opens doors or closes doors, but every one of us has got a picture of who we really are on the inside. So you need to be sure, you need to be sure what's on that passport. So tonight I want to talk to you about how to access what's on that passport and how to make sure that you've got the right internal passport, the right internal picture of who you are. Because that will determine what you do in this world, what you do in this life. Now, let me give you a powerful example in Scripture, if, if you don't believe me. How many of you are already with me right now? And how many of you? Yeah? Okay, yeah? So are the rest of you not sure where I am? <laughs> All right. So let me, let me give you a powerful, powerful example of this in Scripture. Okay, I want you to turn in your Bible. Do you have your Bible with you? Numbers chapter 13. Good to you. The youth have got their Bible. Yeah. <laughs> have the adults got their Bibles tonight? Oh, I hope to God that you're as enthusiastic about the youth about having your Bible. So let's try it again. Do you have your Bible with you tonight? <laughs> it is the Word of God. You can do what it says. You can do. You have what it says you have. It's the Word of God, and you need it in your life, and you need to carry it to church, that's for sure. All right, so Numbers chapter 13. All right. Oh, you can't see it without the lights on. Uh, (laughs) I I think you need to... Well, my other suggestion was that you eat more carrots. So, uh, <laughs> but I think I, th- I think that's a that's a better idea. Thanks for the lights, guys. All right, all right. So, number chapter numbers chapter thirteen. Let me give you some background here. Okay, now this is about the nation of Israel. Only one year earlier, a little over one year earlier, these guys had been slaves in Egypt. They'd been that way for somewhere around 400 years. They'd been treated badly. 
They'd been forced into labor. They'd uh, been made to do jobs that no one else wanted to do. They'd had beatings. Their babies had been killed. That had things rough. And you know, it was a pretty miserable existence for them. If you want to know more about that, you can read in the beginning of, of uh, Exodus about that. And, uh, yeah, hello. <laughs> Cable running down the back of my neck. There we go. All right. So you can read more about that if you want to know in, in the book of Exodus chapter 1. It tells you about their condition. It was a rough time for them. And then God steps in, steps in and breaks through. How many of you love it when God steps in to your life? You know, uh, hallelujah. I'm excited about Pastor Dave's testimony because that's a gutsy stand to pray up and to believe and to fast and to be full of faith and then not get a breakthrough the way that you expect it to come, but then in spite of circumstances, to believe God anyway and not be overwhelmed. And then God breaks through. That is a great testimony. And that's how often God likes to do it. And in this situation here, the Israelites, God stepped in with a deliverer. This was a hopeless situation, but God comes in in a powerful way with a series of miracles, with a series of signs and wonders that make your hair stand on end. My, my uh, middle daughter is reading that right now, the plagues that came on Egypt. And uh, uh, that was fearsome. All the things that happened to Egypt when God stepped in, he judged Egypt badly. He decimated them, devastated them, and he took Israel out through parting the Red Sea. Can you get even the smallest imagination uh, what that would be like? Oh, my word, that is powerful. Not only that, the Egyptian army tries to chase them through, and they get drowned, completely wiped out. Never to trouble them again. And God leads Israel into the wilderness. And he encounters them in a powerful way. And he gives them a new identity. He says, you guys, you won't be slaves anymore. But you will be my special treasure. A kingdom of priests. A holy nation. Wow, God himself saying, you guys, you're not slaves. I set you free from that. But not only that, I will be your God and you will be a treasure to me and I will form a mighty nation out of you. I will make you a kingdom of priests. I will make you a holy nation and I will give you a whole land of your own to possess. You know, that's better than winning lotto. Some of us have got a greater imagination of what it's like to win lotto than it is to get a something special from God, get a revelation from God about who he calls us to be. Yeah? Because if that is the Old Testament, what is God saying us to us in the New? Anyway, let me step back in. What happens? Numbers chapter 13. So God leads them through the wilderness, and now right on the edge of the promised land. And he's saying, guys, all you need to do is go in and possess it. And they say, 
you know, God, that's a great idea, but let's send out 12 spies just to see that you're not tricking us. Just to see, all right? So they send out 12 spies who go into the land, check it out, and they come back and they say, yep, the land is good, but 10 of them, 10 of them, they have a bad report. This is what they've got to say. You look in verse 33, because this has got to be one of the, the saddest, saddest passages in the Bible. And remember what these guys have already seen. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 33 says, There we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, they come from giants, and we were like grasshoppers in their sight. We were like grasshoppers, sorry, in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Isn't that just a pathetic statement? You know, all the things that they've seen, Egypt left in tatters behind them. Army destroyed the most powerful nation on the earth at that time. Destroyed. Destroyed by God himself. God pledging himself to these people. And yet they go in and they say, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Now here's the key in this. Whose sight were they grasshoppers in? Their own. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. The giants hadn't even thought to see them that way. But they saw themselves as grasshoppers. They saw themselves as small and insignificant. And because they saw themselves like that, the people around them also saw them like that. How you see yourself, how you see yourself will determine how others see you. It will determine your spiritual destiny and authority it will determine what you do on the earth. So you can see this in Scripture, but how about have you seen this worked out in life around you? Let me give you some examples. You see, it's commonly known that children of alcoholics end up married to alcoholics or alcoholics themselves. That's commonly known because they see themselves as no good from their own being raised up as children. And because they see themselves as no good, as worthless, they fall into relationships that confirm that same in a picture. How many of you also know that second marriages, okay, people who have been married once, divorced, remarried, second marriages fail at a higher rate than first marriages. Now you think, The opposite would be true. You'd think after you've been through one disaster, it'd be a whole lot easier and you would have learned some lessons. But actually, the opposite is true. Second marriages fail at a higher rate than first marriages. So what's with that? You see, because they carry within them a picture, a picture of being abandoned, of being divorced, And they end up repeating the very same mistake. You also know that a a person who's experienced rejection. Have you seen someone who's like, he's got rejection written all over them? You seen people like that? You know what I'm talking about? 
Now, how is it? How is it that a person like that, like they attract more rejection in their life because they have rejection on the inside of them. It's like their internal passport that says rejected and abandoned. And because that's how they see themselves, that's what they experience. So we need to know that each of us carries something on the inside that tells who we are. And if we've got that on the inside, we better be sure of what that is and, and uh, how to make sure that it's what God says about us. So where does that internal picture come from? How do we get that in our lives? Because if we know how it gets there, then we can know how to deal with it and how to put the correct picture in our hearts. Right, so it gets developed from five sources. There's five places that I can think of where this, where this internal picture of ourselves comes from. How many of you know what I'm talking about tonight? You know? And you know the importance of making sure that what's on the inside of you, who do you think you are, you've got to have a good answer for that. All right. So these, these pictures come from, three, uh, from, uh, from five sources. The first source is from our circumstances and experiences. We experience rejection. We experience divorce. We experience unwanted, uh, uh, the sense of being unwanted. Some of us experience abuse poverty or sickness, and some people, because of their experiences, they form this picture on the inside of them that says, this is what I am. I am sick. I am poor. I am divorced. I am abandoned. That's what they get inside their lives from their circumstances and experiences, and they carry that around with them all of their lives. There's another place they get uh, that uh, a sense of that internal passport, a profession or what we do. Go from our circumstances and experiences to hanging it on what we do. I'm a doctor, or I'm a manager, or I'm a laborer, I'm a driver, I'm a mother, I'm a farmer. My, my dad was, he farmed pretty much all of his life. He farmed uh, on, on one place for, for 50 years. Can you imagine that? One farm, been there 50 years, farmed it. Uh, farmed it until he was, he was over 80 years old. His identity was, I'm a farmer. Only problem with that was that the moment he retired, he didn't know what he was because he was no longer a farmer anymore. He didn't know what he was. He died internally because he didn't know who he was, because his whole identity had been wrapped up in what he did all of his life. And so many people are like that. You see that many farmers actually die within the first few years of their retirement. They work all their lives, they retire, move into town, and you think everything would be sweet for them. And then because they've got no purpose, they end up they dying within a short time of retirement. Commonly known, a commonly known uh, phenomenon. People attach who they are with what they do. Problem with that, you stop doing that, no longer. What do you do? You're useless, according to that. People also, this is a third source. Third source is achievement. They find out, they make up who they are by what they do. They say, well, I'm a self-made businessman. I've done it. And, uh, well, I'm, I'm wealthy. Or I, I'm a record holder. I'm, a, I'm the one who holds the record for sales in this area? They do it by achievement. Might be athletic achievement or sales achievement or work achievement or something that they have done. 
Again, that only lasts as long as you keep achieving things. The fourth source is through that people get their identity from, or that picture on the inside is through their race, or their tribe, or their family, or their, or their nationality. You know how many people get that, and they say, well, I'm a Kiwi, or particularly passionately, I'm an Aussie. I'm not an Aussie. I'm a Kiwi, <laughs> right? Or I'm Maori. I'm English, or I'm Afrikaans. It might be from your tribe. I'm Tuhoi or Nati Kahanunu. As people get their identity and their picture on the inside from their tribe or, or their nationality, you see all of these results on pictures on the inside of them, and they can be expressed in a number of ways. They can be expressed out of either brokenness or hurt and wounding, okay, in a negative way. I'm no good, I'm a failure, I'm rejected, I'm a reject, I'm a loser. You know that sort of stuff, Yeah. How many of you have ever done battle with that before? So I know that I'm, uh, uh, yeah, okay, all right. So actually, I know that most of us will have experienced that, if not all of us will have experienced that sort of negative talk going on in our lives. Or there might be the other side of it that's expressed in pride and arrogance. Okay, like, I'm because I've got, I've got some sort of success. I'm better than you. I'm all better than all the rest of you weaklings, okay, because I've done something with my life, yeah, I've made it on my own, or I'm from this tribe, and this tribe is better than that tribe, or I'm an Aussie, and Aussies are better than Kiwis, fundamentally flawed, <laughs> that argument, all right, <laughs> okay, but you know what I'm saying, it can be expressed in those ways, pride and arrogance, or brokenness and wounding, and people develop their internal picture of themselves, and they go through their life Living it either from their bad experiences, their failures, or their uh, racial or family flaws, or their false pride and arrogance from their success or background. See, all of these sources of, of uh, the internal picture within you or the identity within you, they fall way short of what God's plan was. Because God always intended that our identity, our value, our worth, and our purpose in this life would come out of relationship with Him. Yeah, because the Creator, surely the Creator, He's got the last say on what has been created. He knows its purpose. He knows its worth. He knows its value. You see, none of us, none of us would, uh, would get a car from Toyota and, and, uh, and it would say, well, this is a... Uh, a 1.8 Corolla, and, and it can do this and that and the other thing. And, and uh, none of us would say, well, what do they know what they're talking about? Eh? Well, that's not, that's not true. None of us would doubt that. None of us would doubt what the manufacturer would say about a car or a certain product. But people doubt what God says about them. The Creator, He's got the final say on our value and our worth. You see, because, because that was our original source of identity, when Adam and Eve sinned, that severed that, that severed that source of identity, and it left man trying to find his own way, trying to find identity out of some other way, those other four ways that I talked about. Okay, but because God loved us so much, he wasn't happy with that. It wasn't, it wasn't what he wanted. So when Jesus came, 
He revealed the true nature of God. He revealed, he went around doing good. He ran around healing the sick. He ran around setting people free. How many of you are glad about that? Our God's a good God. Jesus is, a, is, is awesome. And then he died on the cross for our sin, paying our debt in full, breaking the curse of sin off our lives so that our identity could be reestablished. He overcame the devil himself. And then he says in John 1, John 1 and verse 12, and this is powerful, he says, to all, to all, to all, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So no matter what your identity was before you became a Christian, the moment you received Jesus Christ, he said, you, you are a child of God. You are a child of God. You are a son or a daughter of God. As many as received him. Now that's phenomenal. But I wonder how many of us really know that. As many as received him. You see, tonight, if you belong to Jesus Christ, if you are a Christian, you are a child of God. Your old identity as being a loser, your old identity as being an addict, your old identity as being useless, as an idiot, as being too fat or too ugly or uh, uh, whatever. Your old identity, that old person, that's gone, completely gone, wiped out. You see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Hey, uh, is Janice the only one who's got, uh, is happy about that? Uh, come on. If, uh, maybe, how many of you are in Christ tonight? Yeah. All right. Now that makes you a new creation. And you want to be happy about that. Uh, I, I love that song that we were singing tonight. Heaven is singing tonight. Heaven is singing tonight. Isn't that awesome? Heaven's a happy place. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Heaven is a happy place. How many of you know that? Yeah. Heaven is an, heaven is an awesome place. And we want to be happy with that. We want to be happy and rejoicing with heaven, yeah? But some people, some people really don't know that they're a new creation. They have no idea. They're dragging along their old picture of themselves, their old picture that says loser, the old picture that says failure, their old picture that says not good enough, the old picture that says useless. They're carrying that on the inside of them, even though God says, I make you a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things, all things, all things. Everyone say all things. All things have become new. Now for a whole new internal picture, God takes away the old and he puts together a new that says child of God, that says king, that says saved, that says 
forgiven, that says conqueror, that says accepted, that says redeemed, that says free, that says righteous. You know that? Now that's something that we're, that's worth getting excited about. So if you're in Christ tonight, the old picture that you've carried about yourself is stamped invalid, no longer useful, cancelled. It's gone. You are no longer insignificant. You are no longer poor. You are no longer abused. You are no longer victim. You're no longer the sum of your achievements. You're a new person. Now, isn't that a revelation worth getting excited about? Yeah? You see, the best that the world can do is that it'll offer you the, the opportunity to turn over a new leaf. Maybe. It might give you an opportunity to turn over a new leaf. But God offers you a whole new book. How good is that? He takes the old one, he throws it away, and he gives you a new one. How good is that? So tonight, who do you think you are? <laughs> who do you think you are? Are you still cut off from God, living in your sin? Well, you can sort that straight tonight. I've got good news to you. You don't have to stay that way. You can leave that tonight. Or maybe you're a child of God. You're a conqueror. You're a new creation. But there's another possibility. Maybe, maybe you're a child of God, but still carrying around on the inside that old passport, that old picture, just like the slaves, just like the Israelites. God had rescued them, delivered them, showed them signs and miracles and wonders, given them a new identity, said that they would be a special treasure to him. Yet they were still living with that old picture inside themselves that said slave, that said worthless, that said insignificant. Now I wonder tonight, and I want to reach right out of your heads into your hearts tonight because I know how easy it is to listen to this and say, yeah, I'm a conqueror. Yeah, yeah, I'm a child of God. Yeah, uh, but in your heart, you say, lies, lies, lies. Yeah? <laughs> so, so I want to know tonight, how many, how many are you really? You don't have to raise your hands because I know tonight that there's many here that even though the truth of God says so many good things about them, they still carry an internal picture that says, not good enough. Uh, an internal picture that says, broken. Uh, an internal picture that says, worthless. And because of that, you live short of what God's original plan was for you. So who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? 
So you want to be sure that you're living life out of the truth of what God says about you. You want to be sure of that. Because you don't want to be living out of that old picture of yourself. And many of you are still there. But tonight, I want to show you. I want to show you some ways that you can find out what's really in there. And how to change that tonight. But to do that, I need to reach out of your head and into your heart. So the first step, there's five steps. Five things that you need to do to make sure that you've got the right picture on the inside of yourself. The first thing is you've got to recognize. Recognize how you really see yourself. How you really see yourself. This is not about head knowledge. Because it's possible to train a parrot to say it's a new creation. It's possible to train a parrot to say that it's a king. It's possible to get a parrot to say all those sorts of things. But it has no reality at all. It might be able to say it, but it doesn't know it or experience it. So tonight, this is not about what you know in your head. It's about what is known in your heart. It's a head and heart connection. So how do you recognize yourself? Recognize how you really see yourself. And you'll know, how would you know? Here's one key. First of all, you'd know by persistent negative emotions. Persistent negative emotions of fear. Persistent negative emotions. Emotions of anger, persistent negative emotions of depression or rejection. If those things are going on in your life, you can know for sure that actually something else is going on. And it's something about how you see yourself in this world and how you see yourself in Christ. That's the first key. The second one is like it is the fruit of your life. You see, it says that the scripture says that a tree is known by the fruit that it produces. I know my tree in my backyard is a lemon tree because it produces lemons. Simple, eh? All right. So we can know what's going on in our lives by the fruit that it produces. So if the fruit in our life, if we're producing regularly unhealthy relationships, broken relationships, repeated failure, then we can know that there's something going on in our lives that doesn't match up with what God originally or what God declares about our lives. So we need to recognize it. You might need some help to identify that. Maybe your cell group leader, your small group leader, or, or your youth leader will be able to help you to identify that. You know, maybe a friend will be able to, if you were honest enough to say, do you see signs of these things around me? What do you see? So recognize it. The second thing you need to do is you need to repent. Repent of the way that you've been thinking of yourself. You've been practicing self-abuse. You don't need someone to abuse you because you've been abusing yourself. Now that's a bad option. There's plenty of others who would like to take that place in this world if you would give them half a chance. Don't give it to them. But certainly the one person 
who shouldn't be abusing you is yourself. Don't practice self-abuse. You need to repent of it. Repentance means, first of all, to turn around, to turn and face another direction. That's what repentance is. In Hebrew, it means a turnaround, an about face, to turn away from walking one direction and to turn and walk the other direction. It also means in Greek to change your mind. So repentance is a decision that, you know, I've been thinking of myself as a loser, as a failure, as too fat. I've been thinking of myself as a self-made successful person or better than others. I need to repent tonight. I need to change the way I've been thinking. You see, the old man, the old man that we have, the old life, the old picture that we have of ourselves, it's not a pet to be stroked. It's not a pet to be stroked or, or fed and bought out to show your friends. Some people want to take their rejection out. When they're at home by themselves, they stroke their rejection. Nice rejection. I'm so rejected. I'm so miserable. That person, they didn't say hello to me. I'm rejected. They go over it and over and over it in their minds. And then when their friends are around, they bring it out to show. They bring out their rejection to show and say, oh, I'm rejected. Tonight, make a decision to repent. Change the way you think. The next thing you need to do is you need to renounce. You need to renounce it. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to have a look in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22. Are you with me tonight? Yes. You've gone real quiet. Yeah, you're still there? Good. I'm glad you're still here. All right, so am I touching anyone tonight? Am I reaching you? Okay. See, we need to renounce or speak off our lives off that thing. It says that you put off, put off concerning your old life, your former conduct, the old man that grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Now, many of us just think of that old man as, as being the one that got uh, up to its eyeballs and sin. And, and, uh, uh, but you know, there's another old man also that really that's the rejected, that's the failure, that's the, the, the uh, uh, self, uh, self-dependent one. You know, and it says here, put off, put off the old man. Not to be a pet anymore. Speak it off your life. Cast it off your life like you put off a nasty, dirty shirt after you've mown the lawns. Get it off. You don't want to be carrying it around. Not another hour. Certainly not another day because it stinks. Yeah. So tell your neighbor. Put off the old man, it stinks. (laughs) Put it off. Put off the old man. Okay, so renounce it. Speak it off your life. You can say when that thing comes up in your life that says, oh, you're a failure. Or you're just just way too fat. Or you're just, you're way ugly. You know, who could ever love you? You're worthless. You're worthless. You say, uh-uh. You stop 
right there. It stops now. That is not a part of my life. I am a king. I am a child of God. I am a conqueror. I am a new creation. Someone praise God. Come on, someone say amen. Someone say hallelujah. Yeah, that's good news. God is good. Renounce it. Speak it off your life. And then receive. Receive your new identity. Receive it. Embrace it. Wrap it around your life. Because it's yours. You see, the devil will try and te- treat, uh, trick you out of it. He'll try and, and, uh, and make you think that that doesn't belong to you. He'll deny it's there and say, who do you think you are? Who do you, re- who do you really think you are? You can answer him. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of the living God. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. And devil, I have authority over you. You see, our spiritual authority depends on it. Absolutely depends on it. Last thing you need to do, you need to renew your mind. Can I have the band please tonight? You need to renew your mind. You see, your heart is connected to your thinking, closely connected to your thinking. You can't, it's a lie to try and separate those two. But as you meditate and as you think upon what God has really done for you, the position that he's given you, as you think about that, then he begins to change your heart. So tonight, God's wanting to do some heart changing. God's wanting to do some renewal in your life. He's wanting to renew your mind. Tonight, it's a moment of truth for you. How do I really see myself? How do I really see myself? Do I still see myself as a victim, even though Jesus Christ died for me? Am I still carrying around that sense of being bruised or broken? Am I still carrying around that that sense of pride and arrogance? You've got to recognize it. Because unless you do, you can't ever change it. Because that's the first step. And then you say, tonight, God, I want that to change. Tonight, we're going to ask the Spirit of God just to move on people's hearts and lives tonight. So I want you to focus right now on what the Spirit of God is saying to you. I need to close your eyes and just sense His presence. Lord, what are you saying to me tonight? Have I still got that picture on the inside of me that says not good enough? I'm not going to embarrass you, but tonight if that's you, you're carrying around that thing that trips you up, even though your head would say otherwise. I want you to just lift your hand tonight. Say, Pastor, that's me. I've been thinking that way. That's me. I've been thinking that way. If that's you tonight, I want you to make a step. Recognize it. That's you. Put your hand up. Thank you, Jesus. There's many tonight. 
sense many more. Because I know that as I talk to people, I see this so often rising in people's hearts and lives. Head says one thing, heart says another. Tonight I want you to turn from that. I want you to open your heart right now. And say, Jesus, what would it really be like if I knew, if I really knew, what would it feel like to be a child of God? What would it feel like? Allow the Spirit of God to speak to you right now. What would it feel like, Lord? What would it feel like to know that I am completely righteous and blameless before you? Make a decision to cast off that old image. Jesus, I'm giving it to you. I'm putting it out of my life. And I'm embracing all that you have for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Tonight also, there's some of you here. You're a long way from God. You're cut off from God. See, 2,000 years ago, Jesus took a stand on the cross. He took a stand for you and I so that we didn't have to live under that old identity. He took a stand. His blood was spilled out. He paid for your sin. Your sin and for mine. And thank God it didn't end there. Because three days later, He rose from the dead. Conquering sin. Conquering death. One day, He's coming back again. He's alive today. And He's coming back to take each one of us who believe in Him. Tonight, would you be reunited with Him? Would you give your life to Jesus Christ? You see, you can choose not to. That's your choice. But you've got to know that if you don't make your life right with God, there's one place for you. It ends up in hell. But tonight, don't let it be that way. Come to Christ. And leave this place knowing that your sins have been forgiven. Knowing that your debt has been paid for. Knowing that you've been set free. And knowing that He's given you a new identity. Tonight, if that's you and you need to be reunited with Jesus Christ. If you need to be born again. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ. I want you to raise your hand. Tonight, anyone receive Jesus Christ. Just lift your hand right now. Lift your hand right now. Anyone here tonight? Receive Jesus. Now there's one here. Right. I want to talk with you at the end. I can't even see, but uh, someone back there identified you. So if I could uh, just have you at the end. Just come on up. I want to pray with you. Tonight, let's leave this place. Rejoicing, knowing that God has given us a whole new picture of who we are. Are you excited about that tonight? Come on, how many of you want to worship God? 
How many of you know that in heaven there is singing, there is rejoicing tonight? You know that? Come on, let's stand up and let's sing and let's rejoice with God. If you want to come forward and worship God, come on forward. Person who gave their heart to the Lord, I want you to come on up. Come on, come up the front. Come up the front.